Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is there a new 007 in our future? How the box office got bit by a shark? And what horror movie will scare audiences the most this fall? All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. We are back, everyone, and we're back strong again. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for listening to all of our great programs, whether it's on radio seven days a week or our awesome podcast, which you can download and subscribe to at any point in time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the evil mastermind of Humanica Media. You gotta check out everything that's going on with Humanica Media today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more is my good friend. Planning another devious podcast today, it is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Just so you guys know, in post, Gerald's going to add an overproduced maniacal laugh with some lightning in the background and possibly a soundtrack to like Castlevania or something. So just stay tuned for that. If he doesn't, hold him accountable. Because of copyright infringement, I'll just do the evil laugh and I'll insert that right now. <laughs> But it's going to be a great show we have planned for you today. We've got Jason Todd Feinberg from Honeyqueen. He's going to be talking about his thoughts on what to look forward to for horror fans coming up this fall. Because we're we're heading into that right now with school going back in session and, and all that other good stuff that comes with it. The fall season is right around the corner. There's just a few horror movies left that are going to be on the plate for audiences. And he talks about which one he thinks might scare audiences the most this fall. I have a suggestion myself as well. Plus he also delves into the garbage pail kids as he remembers 30 years of greatness from the garbage pail kids, which kind of caught me off guard, but was glad to talk a little bit about that as well. Plus also as well, we've got Chris Daly from fresh media works. He is going to be talking about his game Friday night legends. It got backed on Kickstarter. It's actually selling extremely well and he's going to give you the insight on why Friday Night Legends is a great gift for anyone who is a big fan of high school football. Speaking of football, we've got our man in the know when it comes to fantasy football, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, which is now part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. He will be on our show this week as well, talking about the best deals and the best individuals to get and some of the most underrated ones as well when it comes to the wide receiver position, because I know 
Fantasy football drafts are coming right around the corner if they're not here already. And if you're targeting a certain wide receiver, listen to his thoughts on who you might want to target in your upcoming fantasy football draft. It's a great show we've got for today. Before we get things started, my friend, what about the Meg, man? Of all the movies I thought would be a surprise hit this year, the Meg was not the one I had in mind. I thought that was earmarked for being a dud on arrival. Well, think about it. There's not a lot of good shark movies out. Actually, I don't even know the last time we had a shark movie. Does that include Sharknado? No, because Sharknado is its own beast. That's a sci-fi thing. People go into it expecting it to be ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, and that's why it makes money. And maybe those fans are also the ones who are watching Meg and Zombievers and movies like that, but everyone was expecting Jurassic Park to be this amazing monster flick. And, you know, obviously it made money, but... It wasn't the type of movie that you could just go and sit down and enjoy the ridiculousness of it. But Meg, from what I understand, it's a bad movie, but it's a very enjoyable bad movie. And we just we haven't had anything like that for a long time, at least not in theaters. We have stuff we can sit at home and watch. But, you know, think about it. you got Jason Statham. You got Dwight from The Office. Now, if there anybody in that theater, you, you if you've seen the trailer already or anybody out there that has seen the trailer... You know Dwight from The Office. You know he's earmarked to get eaten by the shark. I, I don't even have to see the movie to know that. You know the guy that plays a jerk in the movie always gets eaten. But that's what makes it so cool is that it's so formulaic and it's like a, a return to form for those classic 80s and 90s monster films. And I think that's the real appeal of this movie. And especially because it's coming hot off the heels of Shark Week and people are still in the mood to watch that kind of thing. And I, honestly... August like this is the perfect month for a movie like that because there's not really anything else coming out there was Mission Impossible but between here and you know mid-September there's not really anything to go watch so if you want to beat the heat go into a movie theater cool down enjoy some snacks or whatever and watch a movie the Meg literally feels like the perfect flick to do that in well it seems like that's the case because it garnered just about $45 million this weekend at the domestic box office, which was well above expectations. Many had earmarked it for around half that much, if not less. You also had another $100 million in overseas box office, and it's now generated close to $150 million worldwide. That's pretty much what it was around with the production budget. So it looks like in the end that it's going to take not only a big bite out of the box office, but it's going to make a tidy little profit as well. And you know what that means, my friend? Sequel time, doesn't it? I don't see the Meg making a successful sequel. I see it happening like Deep Blue Sea 2 or Open Water 2 and stuff like that. They just they, It'll probably go straight to... Uh, actually, I, I can't say that because I don't know how the movie's going to turn out, but movies involving the ocean of oh, the exception of piranha three double d i guess that one got a, a movie theater sequel but those types of movies don't really do well with sequels in the theaters people like them the, they were willing to indulge them the first time but they never really get the shot to do it again i agree with you on that because like you said deep blue c2 didn't fare well open water 2 even to some extent after jaws 2 jaws 3d that seemed to be getting diminished returns with each and every turn because obviously they couldn't match the the suspense, the horror aspect, and just truly the scare tactics that Steven Spielberg came up with in the original Jaws film. So I have to agree with you on that. 
I see a sequel in its future already, so I know it will play well overseas. I have a really strong feeling for that, and I think it will necessitate a sequel that I think will come to audiences in the theater at some point in time, let's say two years down the line, but you're right, whether or not it succeeds a second time around is yet to be seen, and there's not a great history and track level for that, so... I'm not expecting big things out of it either because I wasn't expecting big things out of it the first time. But, you know, uh, I guess when you can be wrong, it's great that you're wrong when it comes to a nice popcorn flick like The Meg. There's also a lot of other great stuff to talk about in the news as well is the heavy rumors. It's now beyond, I think, what a heavy rumor should be. It's almost like it feels like it's being confirmed, but obviously it hasn't yet by Sony or Columbia Pictures or anything of that nature responsible for the 007 franchise. But cryptic tweets by Idris Elba himself are leaning towards the fact that there could be a new 007 in our future. This is something we've expected now for a little while with Daniel Craig saying quite often that this would be the last. It was very hard to bring him back in the first place. I believe they had to back up the Brinks truck in order to get him to come back one more time. So it looks like that Idris Elba is the not only the favorite to replace Daniel Craig as the latest 007, but it looks like it's, I don't want to say it's it's money in the bag because there's still probably I's need, that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed, but it looks like it's a pretty strong bet for Idris Elba to become the next 007. There are people all over the internet that say, yes, this is going to be great, and no, this is not going to be great. I'm a big fan of Idris Elba. Outside of the last Star Trek movie he was in, which he really wasn't given that great a material, I think he's done an outstanding job on virtually everything that he's done previously. He's an extremely skilled actor, and I am very excited for him in the role of James Bond should he get that role. Let me hear your thoughts, my friend, because it looks like a very strong possibility because he just seems to be stoking the fire as far as with his tweets saying that cryptically he may have the role in hand as far as for the next 007. I guess my question would be, does it make sense? You know, don't get me wrong. I, I love Idris Elba and I love his character. I love the idea of him playing James Bond. But I'd be more curious, what is this going to be? What's Are we are still jumping on the legacy of the uh, Daniel Craig Bond? Where is this? What Or are they going to reboot it again into something new? Are we going to take more of the Pierce Brosnan approach to James Bond? Does it make sense? And I know people have been clamoring, but let's not forget, it was, what, three or four months ago that they were talking about having the first female Bond. So it's, does it make sense, or are they trying to... Are the, are the James Bond movies losing their flair so they're trying new tactics to get people into the movie theater? I don't care what skin color Bond has, what gender Bond is. I just want it to be a good story because I've kind of gotten on board with these new Daniel Craig films because the story is more, I guess, enveloping than the other ones have been. Where, whereas with like, you know, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Sean Connery and like those, the early Bonds, like they all have a certain level of Roger Moore, they all have a certain level of ridiculousness to them. And now I'm finally able to take James Bond seriously. So does it make sense? That would be my question. Where is it going to fit into the greater scope of the Bond mythology? And are they going to continue to make quality films? Or are they just going to put things out there that they hope people want to see? Kind of like a a Hail Mary. Because I know James Bond movies are notorious for having a hard time getting off the ground. You know what, my friend? I can actually agree with you very much on that. I have watched all the James Bond films. 
I understand that there is a level of ridiculousness when you're talking about the James Bond films pretty much before the Daniel Craig era. And I know there was a lot of vitriol and anger when he first got the role and they didn't realize who in the world this guy was because he didn't really have a great track history of of work beforehand. I know Pierce Brosnan, who I'm a big fan of, was never really given a great script to work with and never really given a great plot and was over the top, including working with Halle Berry, who's a tremendous actress herself. I know Die Another Day, I believe it was, that they worked on together was just really just way over the top. And he never really was given the kind of stories that I think he deserved. In fact, uh, you know, you could say the same thing for Sean Connery and, and, and Roger Moore as well to an extent because I think they're all fine actors and could have really brought more to the role of James Bond. But a lot of that, the a lot of the reasons why it succeeded for so many years was that over-the-top ridiculousness and the wink-wink to the almost breaking the fourth wall when you're, especially in Roger Moore's case, when, when he, you know, he would almost smile or wink to the camera when he's, when he's doing something within the realms of 007. I don't know. It's just tough to say because like you said, it's gone in a, in a completely different direction with Daniel Craig and Idris Elba. Should he get that role? I think he is in a, has the same type of mannerisms and same type of qualities that Daniel Craig. I think he leans more towards that realm. Low key actors type actor really just set in stone on, on a lot of that, not, not over the top, not winking at the camera, not fourth wall, not cheesy, not willing to come back at you with, always with a one-liner or anything like that, like like in the past with maybe Roger Moore or, or Sean Connery or even to an extent Pierce Brosnan as well, even Timothy Dalton for that matter. So I think Idris Elba will probably carry on the legacy if he were to be chosen as double seven that we're seeing now from Daniel Craig because Skyfall was the first and only James Bond 007 flick to garner over a billion dollars. And the most recent Spectre 007 movie almost garnered, I think, well, garnered well over 800 million itself, despite tepid reviews. And for me, it really wasn't that great a film. So I think that the future does look good for 007. Tom Hiddleston would have been a great one. Tom Hardy, well, you know, he he has that demeanor as well. He might have been okay at it. But I think Idris Elba, if he is chosen, will be a great choice. And and once it gets confirmed, we'll obviously let you know here right at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But yes, I do think it does need to stay in a serious type format, especially to keep people like you buying into the James Bond series. As we head into a deeper into a new century, a new way of thinking, a new way of social consciousness, and the old ways of the womanizer, the the old ways of misogynistic on occasion, uh, just different ways that James Bond has been portrayed over the years. Those ideals have to be pushed to the side, and it's been more of a contemporary type of individual that we've been looking at with Daniel Craig, and I think Idris Elba, if you were to be chosen, would follow that pattern. Right, but the character of Bond is still a provocateur, and that encompasses. Yeah, know. he's not perfect by any stretch of the magic. I just say it gets. I should say it gets closer to what our world is shaping up to. He still has some things from time to time that emulate the old world Bond that maybe they should try and steer away from in a new environment. Yeah, but I mean that also raises the question: Can a character like James Bond exist in modern times, especially with the principles that he was founded on? Well, I think he can because 
you just have to go ahead and provide those continual tweaks to modernize the character. If you do it right, he won't seem stale. He won't seem like a fossil. He won't seem old fashioned from a bygone era because you saw what happened with Skyfall. You put him in the right setting. You give him the right motivation. You put him in the right context with some great actors to work alongside with him. And you see it generated over a billion dollars to the box office. Comparatively speaking, you've got the Mission Impossible series, which hasn't even come close to garnering that much. And that looks to be heading into another edition at some point in time because that's been a success so far, generating almost $500 million itself. So I think when it comes to the Bond series, it is, I believe, one of Sony's biggest properties that they hold on to. I don't know what the status is long-term for it, if it's going to stay with Sony or head somewhere else, because I know at different points of time, there, there's been talk of the Bond property leaving the Sony realm at some point in time, if it were to be outbid for a long-term planning by another bidder and, or another suitor, which definitely could happen. So I think at this point in time, the 007 series looks pretty good. I'm interested to see how they're going to close out this Daniel Craig chapter of it, but I'm enthused for the future. And I think James Bond can be modernized to a 2018 stature. I think that they've taken good steps along that pattern. It just needs to continue. Otherwise, you're right. They will be left behind. Yeah, and I, I want to see a continuing mythology. I would still like to see a continuation of you know, like I said earlier, what's already been built because the storyline is solid. It just needs to, I guess it needs to go somewhere. What are your thoughts on the 007 that could possibly happen with Idris Elba or the Meg hitting number one at the box office? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, we've got a lot of great things left for you on the show. We've got like I said, Chris Daly from Fresh Media Works, also Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. But first up, we've got our good friend, Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on what he's looking forward to for the rest of the year when it comes to horror movies and his thoughts on the Garbage Pail Kids. Something I didn't expect, but it reminisced and took me back to hear a little bit more about the Garbage Pail Kids. He'll talk about that and more coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mmm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. We're back again. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Once again, I'm with Jason Feinberg from Honey Queen. You got to check out his awesome podcast covering not only just the horror genre, but pop culture in general. You got to check it out today. All of his back episodes on Podbean, also Spotify, 
also Apple Podcasts and many more podcast outlets. But there's still some few months to go as far as the movie season is concerned. The year in movies is obviously far from being done. There's a lot of horror movies that are still left to step up to the plate and show off their wares. I think the one that obviously is getting the most pub at this point in time, obviously coming off some great momentum at San Diego Comic-Con, was the latest rendition of Halloween with a returning Jamie Lee Curtis returning to her iconic role from the previous movie that she did back in the 70s. Your thoughts on not only that movie, but some other horror movies that you're keying in on this season, for the, actually for the rest of this year when it comes to going to the movies and catching the latest horror movie flicks. Well, as for Halloween, I'm just going to say right now, it's not that I'm not a fan of John Carpenter. I just never got into the series because I like what John Carpenter did because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have Friday the 13th and we wouldn't have Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, you can say that Wes Craven tried with Last House on the left, but I think John Carpenter really knew how to do the slasher movie. But then we got all those sequels, and then they tried with Halloween Water, H2O, which didn't work as well as one hoped. Halloween 3 is a guilty pleasure of mine. I, I, I understood that they tried to do an anthology, because what else could they really do with Michael Myers since he doesn't really talk? And then if we were introduced to comedian Mike Myers, so I, I can understand. But I'm assuming that with this Halloween 2... It means that all the sequels never happened, that the original Halloween 2 never happened, that, that nothing never – the entire series never existed. It was just that first one, and now this is the actual sequel that's coming out. But without Donald Pleasance, because he passed, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm intrigued, especially since, again, she died – in one of the movies, but again, since they rebooted everything, who knows? Uh, you know, horror movies to me have become a diamond dozen, but the one that intrigues me, and I've seen the preview for this because I don't know if it's a jump scare movie or not. I've seen The Conjuring, and I've seen Annabelle, and I've seen Annabelle Creation. Now we have The Nun. And I guess what could be scarier than a nun? And, and, and i kind of seen this genre before where Nuns have been possessed by demons, but Conjuring wasn't a bad idea of the jump scare and using the right sound effects and playing in the shadows. So I am going to go with that movie because it, it, it seems to be the runt of the litter. I mean, I, I could make jokes and say Aquaman because when is the DC universe ever going to make a better... But but that Shazam trailer looks interesting. I mean, I have to say, I think maybe they're making things lighter. But I'm just I'm going to put my money on the nun. I don't think it's going to make the money that it, they're hoping for. And I've read the Warren's tales on demonology... I've seen footage from their museum in Connecticut. I never got a chance to go there. And I've seen footage of the actual Annabelle doll that's actually a Raggedy Ann doll. And all the stories and, you know, what what they've dealt with over the years with regards to demonology and what the real Annabelle has done. But I wish Carpenter, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the rest good luck. But I'm kind of curious 
in a world of re reboots and remakes and sequels and I don't think the nun is going to be trying as hard as it hopes for and Annabelle again didn't scare me so much as more of a jump scare but it worked when it needed to there are bits and parts where, where, where when it needed to scare you there are still memorable moments so they depend on the trailer but um, I, th I think I'm going to go with the nun that was uh, something that's coming up in early September. Again, that's The Nun. That's a great pick right there. Also, there are movies such as Hellfest. That is also going to be coming wide here later this year. And then also Suspiria. And I think that's about it outside of the, like I had said earlier, the heavily anticipated Halloween reboot that's coming close to Halloween, of course believe about two weeks prior just to make sure it gets in enough money beforehand so you're not just banking on that halloween audience right there but those are some great movies that are coming out for the horror genre so there is some movies left this year for horror movie fans jason i'll tell you what it's so great to have you on the show talking about horror but everything else pop culture and for, again for anybody out there that wants to check out some great pop culture podcasts outside of ours, they just need to look no further than the Hunnic Ween podcast. That's H-U-N-N-I-C-W-E-E-N. It's available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Any other major outlets you'd like to push? Oh, God, I think we covered all of them. I, I, I think I think you discussing everywhere has just swollen my head. It's probably made it bigger than for all the places I could put the podcast. Well, I am going to be returning to not only the BS Podcast Network, but we're also going to be on Earth Station One. I got to guest on them a couple weeks ago discussing the 30th anniversary of Roger Rabbit, so they were intrigued with my show. They listened to him, so Hanuk Wien will be on there next month as well. But in the meantime, for a fall preview, because I just want to let people know that I had been back. I, I promised to go back in January, and stuff happened, so I'll be back in September. But to let everybody know that I'm alive and okay for this month, because of Teen Titans Go to the movies, or I like the 2003 series, not this bubblegum pop, whatever Teen Titans Go is, I'm going to be discussing my top 10 Teen Titans episodes and discuss why... That 2003 series is better than Teen Titans Go. Although I, I've heard rumors that it's coming back, or there's a post-credit scene that they're coming back somehow. And then from there, I didn't get to do it last year. I'll be discussing it this year. It's now the 31st anniversary of the Garbage Pail Kids movie. I'll be giving my thoughts on why it still holds up to this day, and and why. I mean, it's called the Garbage Pail Kids movie, so I don't, you know, you get what you paid for. This is true. And I remember collecting some as a kid. I know it was a novelty even at that point in time. And, it, and it's kind of, you brought those home after you bought it at the local market or the local liquor store and you brought it home and your mom just goes, what's that? What is that? <laughs> you got them at the liquor store? I, I didn't even know the liquor store sold those. Oh yeah. Yeah. The liquor stores in, in my area in Southern California, they, yeah, they had arcade machines. They had, you know, all the different uh, packs of, of collectible cards. But, but, yeah, they were into anything that they could get their hands on that they could make money off of to sell to the kids at that point in time. So, yes, outside of just beer and wine, at that point in time, it was a big thing. 
back in the 80s when arcade machines were pretty much everywhere. They actually, a lot of them were smart enough to go ahead and try and sell kids other things as well. You know, candy, popcorn. Well, we won't go oh, into that. No. Beer, liquor, and garbage pail kids. Yeah, I love the 80s. No, I got them. My father was is a retired principal of a high school, so he confiscated most of them and gave them to me. That's how I got most <laughs> of my collection, but it, it, it was great. But no, the, I'll just say right now, I couldn't get anybody to go to this movie with me because it, by the time the movie came out, because for a kid, you know, time is like three weeks is forever. So I couldn't get any of my friends to see this. And it came out in August and my um, legal guardian at the time, I had to beg to take me to, you know, to go to the 20 mile movie theater that was finally playing this thing. I walked out happy. I know she wasn't, but I could not. First of all, I'm glad it came out on VHS until I burned it out, but it finally came out on Blu-ray. The only features that they have is some interviews here or there. There's no commentary, but you get a lot of trivia. And then a year later, there's that 30 Years of Garbage documentary, so I'm happy. That's once again, we're talking about the Garbage Pail Kids movie, which he is going to be doing a future podcast on. And like I said, for anything outside of just not just horror movies, but a lot of pop culture stuff. In fact, some of his latest episodes are reaching back into the vault to cover a lot of these Star Wars movies that he's talked about in the past as well. So you got to check that out. It is the Hunnic Ween podcast, and you got to check it out today on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other great outlets. Jason, as always, my friend, it's so great to talk to you. So great to keep in touch with you on everything going on within the realm of pop culture. But as our man in the know, when it comes to horror, mystery, and the macabre, there's none better than you, my friend. Appreciate oh. everything you do at Hunnic Queen. Oh, you're just saying that because you know it's true. <laughs> yes, it is. Coming up right after this, it's Chris Daly from Fresh Media Works talking about his game, Friday Night Legends, and why you may take an interest if you're a high school football fan. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Have you ever thought of the biggest celebrity monkeys? Or how about the best TV resurrections? If so, join me, Mark Rushlow, on... And his lovely wife, Jeanette. On Pop Culture Nickel, where we share random pop culture top five lists. Stay fresh at popculturenickel.podbean.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Pop Turn Nation awaits. Just couldn't let me get the last word in, could you? Nope. I had to talk to this gentleman again to talk about the success of his latest project on Kickstarter that has gone through and also the transition for this process. It is a great man indeed. He is the founder and chief marketing officer at Fresh Media Works. And you also, like I said, have got to check out his new board game that he's got based off of traditional high school football. It's Friday Night Legends. It is Chris Daly. What's going on? I tell you, I'm, I'm kind of stunned being uh, introduced as a, as a legend or a great man. But, uh, there you go. But thank you. <laughs> uh, you are indeed. You are indeed, Chris. It's just a pleasure to have you here. And I'll tell you what, he does a ton of podcasts out there, and you got to take a look at his fresh media works as far as his company and, and all the great things he's done. But one of the things I wanted to ask you in regards to is a successful Kickstarter project that you had, it's been funded. 
fully funded, and it's for a board game, a tabletop game, I guess. You cannot say board game. You cannot say board game. You got to say tabletop game. It's called Friday Night Legends, and it's based off high school football. I'm assuming the Texas high school football scene because it's so predominant in our uh, high school football society. I think there's really no other area that I know of that it seems to get more influence from it. Obviously, the Friday Night Lights and the movie mm-hmm. of that nature possibly maybe giving you some influence there. But tell me a little bit about Friday Night Legends and why it's a tabletop game that you need to get a hold of as a sports fan. This is something that running the website LoneStarGridiron.com for the last 15 years covering Texas high school football, we've collected data on all these schools going back 100 years. We've got historical data on their wins, their losses, their coaching records, their, their statistics. We've got so much data on these teams. And my co-founder and I, we've been friends since junior high. We played high school football together. We, we've stayed connected with it all this time. And we were we gamers, too. So we thought, hey, let's figure out a way to do this. And so we did. We put this game together thinking that, hey, Texas high school football is, is big and people worldwide know what it is thanks to movies and TV series like Friday Night Lights. And so we just put it out on Kickstarter and, well, it was funded. And the good news is, I, I say that's good news, but the even better news is that sales now after are going through the roof. It's crazy how much we're getting. And it's not just in Texas. It is worldwide. I uh, shipped my first game overseas just today to somebody in the Shetland Islands, uh, north of England over there. And um, we get inquiries from all over. The percentage that buy from Texas are about 20% of our sales only. And that, that is surprising right there. Yeah, it, it is, which is why we've added a ton of out-of-state teams. We've asked to, added teams like Hoover, Alabama, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, and, and, uh, and, and gosh, probably 50 out-of-state teams because of that reason right there, because people want to play nationwide. Well, We're I will just, tell you, from, I'm, from, I'm, I'm from Southern California area, and there was no bigger rivalry back in my day than Banning versus Carson. Is that right. something on the, t- on the books as well? It's not right now, but, but that's the thing. We have the ability to do that, and that's one of the things we offer is, is we will put together a custom team as long as we can get a hold of the stats. Now, some of the really old teams, it's harder. In Texas, it's easier because we've got such good stats. I've got stats going back to the very first state championship in 1920. So I can put together any team in Texas. It's a lot harder in some of these states that aren't as big on football. California is a good one. Florida is a good one. Alabama is a good one. Pennsylvania is a good one. Some of these Idaho's, we might not get a whole lot of good stats on those teams. That's quite understandable. And I'm just curious when, like I said, when you wanted to talk more about it and I, I looked more into the game, I just the difficulties in trying to translate a game so visual right. and so relating to sports into a tabletop game type deal, that to me is fascinating because, yes, there have been sports-related tabletop games in the past, but for the most part, they have not translated well to a gaming audience, and, and not many of them have stuck, if any, well, 
I mean, I, as a kid, you know, you had the motorized one with the, you know, you had sat there and the, with the full football field and you had the little motorized, you know, zin, zin, like that. Okay. That is, I guess you can consider that a tabletop game, but it, it really isn't the traditional type deal that you, that's closer to what you're doing. So mm-hmm. tell me the difficulties and try and translate an experience that you can see on the field to something that you can translate into a successful tabletop game. Well, well, first, let me, I guess, clear up. There are two types of gamers in the world. There, there's some overlap, but there are two completely different types. The tabletop gamers who play Carcassonne or Settlers of Catan or any of those kind of popular games are one type, and it's a big group. But there's also another huge group of sports simulation gamers who, uh, you know, you would not believe how large this, this group is. And there's people like myself who are in both groups. And so how it translates, how we were able to make it translate was was by those stats. Because if, you know, and I'll, I'm going to throw out some teams that nobody will know, but but it's, it's for an example. I've got, there's a team here in Texas called Port Lavaca Calhoun, the Sand Crabs. And they run... 99% of the time in a one in a game they're lucky if they throw one pass so so what we wanted to do was faithfully represent that team so when you play them you don't have those as many options to pass the ball so when you're playing against another team that passes a lot they're going to pass more it's not like moving figures and anything like that it is i call a play you call a play we then compare how my play works against your play on my offensive sheet and your defensive sheet. We combine the results and that tells us how many yards we made. And then of course you roll for penalties and things like that. It's again, it's a completely a statistic based game. Yes, you have a football field and you move the football marker and the first, first down marker and you have a scoreboard. So, so it's visual and that a representation, but it's not, it's not actual players that you're moving around because that would be nearly impossible to do. I agree with you on that sentiment. And, but the sports simulation scene, uh, I can also attest to on that because, but mainly for now these days, it's, it's been more of a video game concept because I get inquiries all the time. Do you want to try out this soccer manager, football manager, baseball manager, cycling manager? I've seen all those sports that are now represented in a sports simulation type format that that I see all the time now, as far as for me, mainly PC standpoint, but definitely it's great to hear that the sports simulation scene is still very strong in a tabletop fashion. And it's interesting to see how it's related, especially in fact, something so specific as high school football that you're trying to correlate to and that you've had such success off of it. Let everybody know out there exactly why they need to get this game. And then also, where can they get this game? Because right now, you said it's really selling well, and international sales are already starting to take off. So tell me, my friend, where can they go and get this game, and why should they get this awesome uh, game? We were, at, we were at the Texas High School Coaches Association Coaches School last week, which is the biggest collection of coaches in one place. Over 10,000 coaches are there. And how we were representing it there was, look, this is a fun game. It's a blast to play. You can play it anywhere from one player. There's single player rules if you want to, you know, 
do the two teams against each other, up to four players and ages nine to 90. And even if you don't like playing sports simulation board games, it makes an amazing gift because I know there's somebody in your family who likes football because it's such a big deal. As far as where to get it, FridayNightLegends.com. It's very simple. Pretty simple stuff. We have over, you know, 150 teams available right now, as well as the boarded game itself. So you can mix and match who it is you want to play. That's Friday Night Legends, now available, like you said, on FridayNightLegends.com. You got to pick it up today. It's getting close to that time of the year when you need to start thinking about gifts for the loved ones. So definitely that's uh, something to think about there as well. Well, Chris, uh, it's been great having you on. But before we head on out, not only is Friday Night Legends the great tabletop game that you have available, that's something that, that obviously people need to know about. But I know you said you had some podcasts as well because I think you mentioned you were up to six podcasts at this point in time, or am I mistaken? It varies. <laughs> I've, I've got about six that I do, and then I edit for a bunch of other people. And I think I may have mentioned this last time, the easiest way to find any of those podcasts is to go onto your podcatcher of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anything like that, and search for my name, Chris, last name D-O-E-L-L-E. Because it's a unique name, it's easy to find me that way. Awesome, awesome. And that's available on pretty much any other platform, including, like you said, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anything on Spotify? Uh, I'm not on Spotify right now. I've held out on doing that, and and not for any particular reason, just because I'm so darn busy. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I hope you get on there because I know it's really a popular platform as well. For all of its podcasts, you just got to go ahead and type in on whatever podcatcher that you have, Chris Daly. And that, again, is Chris... C-H-R-I-S-D-O-E-L-L-E. Chris, it's been great having you again on the show, talking all the great stuff that we talk about. Gerald, thanks as always. It's Tyler Baker coming up next with his thoughts on the wide receiver position and who you should choose in your upcoming fantasy football draft. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Catch his show this year on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 more podcast outlets. My friend, we come to those that actually catch the ball primarily for living, and that (laughs) is the wide receiver's. I guess in the past they've been called prima donnas and what have you, but <laughs> they are, they're divas. Well, be that as it may, some of them are very eccentric and have a right to be so because anytime you're going to go out and run out there with the mm-hmm. defense, really trying to take a number on you while you have your head up trying to look for a mm-hmm. football and the defense trying to take your head off. I've got a lot of respect for when it comes oh, to yeah. a wide receivers of concern. Oh yeah. 
The first four, like the running backs, the first four wide receivers seem to be unanimous yeah, as far as much. Antonio Brown, DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins, Odell mm-hmm. Beckham Jr., and Julio, Julio Jones. Jones. Yeah. After that, it's kind of uh, a free-for-all as mm-hmm. far as opinions on, like you said, opportunity, sure. who's the quarterback, yeah. what's the yeah. offense like, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. First off, before we get into the particulars – how quickly should you make wide receiver a priority for your football team? Mm. Well, in the first two rounds, you at least want to get one good running back at least. So I mean wide receiver. No, I mean running back. <laughs> so, it, and if you get one of those good running backs and in the second round comes around and there's one of these stud wide receivers, go ahead and get them. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Well, I thought you, I'm like, okay. Thought, yeah. Yeah. Again. <laughs> my fault, my fault. You want to get one of those good wide receivers, but you have to balance it with making sure that you get a good running back because if you don't have a good running back and the current fantasy world if you don't have a good running back you're done in any draft it should be at least the first five picks should be running backs and then you know pick six or so overall you know it's going to be antonio brown antonio brown's the best wide receiver in the nfl bar nine i mean he's just amazing from week to week he can he can win you your league week to week DeAndre Hopkins has shown that same type of consistency. Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, you know, kind of waver in their consistency, but any week they can win you your league. Beyond that, it starts kind of getting a little foggy. I actually have AJ Green as my number five wide receiver because last year the Cincinnati Bengals really kind of took a step back and we talked about it last year. We talked about it a lot last year, how that offensive line, they let some guys go. They did not fill those positions with quality players and that entire offense suffered. You and I saw it come in. We warned everybody, Hey, stay away from this team. I think, I think that you're going to see a bounce back this year. And I think that bounce back is going to come in the form of AJ green, getting back to being a stud. I also really, really like Doug Baldwin this year. Now it's come out that he has a little bit of a knee issue and they're taking a cautious approach with him in training camp and in the preseason. I would keep a very close eye on that. And if it looks like it's something that's going to linger into the regular season, I would, I would be concerned. So it's something that we're watching, but if Doug Baldwin is healthy, I think he is going to be a top five wide receiver because that. Seahawks defense is not what it used to be. In fact, (laughs) I heard someone say it's not the Legion of Boom. It's a Legion of whom? (laughs) Like it's just not what it used to be. And so if that defense is not going to stop offenses, that's going to put Russell Wilson in a situation where he's going to have to push that team and he's going to have to win ball games. And nobody zeroes in the way Russell Wilson does with Doug Baldwin. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown is comparable, but Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin is absolute money in the bank. And having a diminished defense and the need for the offense to do more, I think Doug Baldwin is poised to have a very big year this year. So I have him a little bit higher than maybe some some other uh, uh, fantasy players do this year. But wide receiver is, in my opinion, the most stocked as far as quality contributors. Like you said, yes. maybe not on a week-by-week basis, but someone that can get hot, 
someone that a quarterback might find during the course of a game with a, a great mismatch that favors them, that they're just going to go ahead and keep targeting and targeting and targeting. By far and away, I think the wide receiver position has the most depth and most quality. Are there any other sleepers that are out there that you think might fit the bill for people in those middle to later rounds? Because mm -hmm. that's when you really start filling out your roster yeah. and wide receiver really becomes a priority at that point in time. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to get the running backs early because you can find some wide receivers later. And wide receiver is is funny because it's so much dependent on the chemistry with the quarterback. It's not necessarily physical ability. It's are they on the same page with the quarterback? And I've seen some things out of the San Francisco camp where it looks like that a lot of people have Pierre Garçon as the number one receiver there. But everything we saw last year and everything I've been reading in camp makes it look like Marquise Goodwin is going to be the number one. And you can get Goodwin for next to nothing. He is going very late in drafts. I think that that's a guy that I'm going to have on my teams because I know I can get him late. And with his speed, I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy was almost an Olympic athlete. I mean, he has just absolutely amazing speed and he's developed a rapport with Garoppolo and that could turn into some very, very good fantasy value that you won't have to pay a lot for in your draft. I like Jamison Crowder this year because, again, going back to the chemistry with Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder, what he does well plays very well into Alex Smith's strengths. I also really like Emmanuel Sanders this year. A lot of people still have Demarius Thomas as the number one receiver in Denver. And I've seen over the past couple of years just a, a little bit of a downhill trajectory with Demarius Thomas. And Emmanuel Sanders, everything that I've read in camp says that he has a very, very good rapport with Case Keenum. Emmanuel Sanders is still in his prime. Emmanuel Sanders... You, you can get in the middle rounds and he could end up being a solid wide receiver too for you this year. <laughs> but it is, once again, Tyler Baker. So glad to have him part of the Pop Culture Cosmos this year with his show, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It's going to be like quick hits for you. It's nothing long, nothing, nothing stretched out for you. It's quick hits from the man himself on his thoughts on the fantasy football scene each week. And that's going to be found right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels. You can download it, you can subscribe to it, and you'll be able to get that all for you right there. Tyler, I'm just truly honored, as always, to have you part of the show, part of the program, and now a true weekly contributor in an official fashion with us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking forward to it. So glad to have football back. And it's going to be fun spending the season with you, my friend. Absolutely. Until that first loss comes in and just hear me complain. <laughs> just hear me complain. My friend, it's always great to have you a part of the show and as always a great part of the pop culture and cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald along with my good friend, Josh Peterson. Do not forget that you can catch our shows on radio seven days a week. Also as well, you can subscribe to our podcast on any one of these great channels. Just type in Pop Culture Cosmos on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Anchor FM, or any one of the over 30 podcast networks we're on. You'll get all of our great programming, including the upcoming Fantasy Football Patriot podcast, all the great extra episodes we throw there, and of course, our Monday and Friday episodes as well. I know you've got a great thing going on coming up with Humanica Media this week. So share us your thoughts on what's going on with Humanica Media. Just Topic Ocalypse put out a new episode tonight. Check it out. It's video game to film adaptations that we'd love to see. We cast a God of War movie and or Netflix show and uh, Legend of Zelda. We cast Gears of War. Daniel talks about some Nintendo games because he's not really a gamer. Good stuff, though. And also, you can catch us on the Podcast Radio Network. And I think that we're actually on at 4.30 Pacific time. Really? Because it's been the past 4 p.m. Pacific time. But yeah, check the listings by going to Facebook on the Podcast Radio Network, and you get the exact time on Tuesday each and every week it's on. And I'm still hurt that, in fact, I was not part of that topic, Ocalypse. Still hurt. Still hurt. I would love to talk about that. It was thrown at me right as we were recording. Two words for you. Mass Effect. Yeah, I would actually love to see a Mass Effect movie made. But how cool would a God of War Netflix series be? It'd be actually third for me behind Uncharted and Mass Effect. But they're talking about Halo first. So that's coming to Showtime, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But Legendary Pictures, I believe, still has the rights to Mass Effect. And believe me, I think that it would be a killer on screen if that was the case. But Need I digress? Need I digress? That would be a, another episode in and of itself. My friend, we're here to close out the show on some potentially bad news. I know we talked about your thoughts in the past on the 007 series, but rumors have it that the Chris's that were going to be in the upcoming Star Trek IV that was going to be in production pretty soon is kind of gone by the wayside because Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth who were obviously, Chris in the Chris Pine's case, a natural to be on there because he was he's portrayed Captain Kirk. But his father in the series, which was Chris Hemsworth, he would have somehow magically been brought back for this iteration, Star Trek IV as well. Their current status is, I don't want to say out for good, but they're certainly out right now because... Well, it all comes down to dollar roonies, I think. I'm sure it's an issue over money. When they say it isn't over money, it's over money. And with the Star Trek series, which I've always said is a really entertaining series, especially the first two, I'm really hopeful that that gets underway. It would be really something I would look forward to, but it has not generated over $500 million on any one of those movies that has been released. Even the brilliant Star Trek reboot, that is so well thought of and so well loved and watched so much on broadcast television did not produce originally a great amount. And it looks like from all intents and purposes at this point in time, that it has a ceiling and is yet to go above it. And which is a shame for any of the star Trek films that have come out. 
I need to hear your thoughts, man, on the crystal status currently in limbo on Star Trek Four, and the thought of if they're not in it, where does Star Trek go from here? I guess they're going to have to figure that out, huh? Because people... And this is not the Quentin Tarantino version. That would have been Star Trek V if that still goes as planned. Yeah, but I don't. I honestly, I don't know what they expected, though, because both of these actors, their careers have taken off in superhero films. So obviously they're going to be ex- expensive. And in Hollywood, if we've learned anything, it's that there's no loyalty to anybody. People just do what they do and money literally drives everything but it's stupid of them not to give them what they want because the chances are pretty high with that kind of i know it is a you know it is a chance that they're taking but the odds are good that they would make their money back it just it'd be a question of how much money are they going to make off of the film well they've never been able to generate a huge profit from the films in the theater it's where they get it back in home video and television and broadcast and syndication that's where they seem to make the money on these films Right, but if there's ever a, a, a time to drop big money on a film like this, it's right now because we're having a Star Trek renaissance on you know, CBS's streaming service. So there is hype coming back to this series, and it seems like a stupid idea to cut the character that people were hoping to see. And like for me, like he's per, um, what's his name? Chris Pine is he's the big drawing factor to the Star Wars films for me because I think he plays Captain Kirk very well, and I like you know, I, I like the character and I like his interactions with Carl Urban's character and I would love to see more of that. But, you know, if they take that out, then I just uh, it's throwing me into a mythology that I don't really know anything about. Whereas, you know, the Chris Pine we got to see from the beginning, I'm kind of we're attached. People are attached and this is they're trying to bring new fans into the series. And it's just it's not going to happen because Chris Pine was what sold the show as much as I like the other actors. And now would be a great time for it to come out as far as in this time period before Star Wars 9 comes out, because as you and I both know, there's a lot of backlash against the Star Wars series right now. And goodwill, as far as the Star Wars series, has never been... I don't want to say has never been lower. I don't want, I want to correct myself. The Star Wars series hasn't been this low since the tepid response from the prequels, I guess, probably the best way to say it. Wouldn't you say? I mean, the people were really high on the Star Wars series when it was rebooted, when episode seven was coming out, obviously garnering $2 billion there. But since then, a lot of ill will has headed its way. And this would be a great time to bring the Star Trek series out in this time frame so that you can actually make it, okay, come over to our side, come to the Star Trek side if you really are tired of what Star Wars is all about. Yeah, it just seems like if, if there was any time where they were going to take a financial risk, it would be now because... Like I said, Star Trek is experiencing a renaissance. And if the hype on the internet of Captain Picard coming back is any indication, people do still enjoy the series and these films. And it just seems like a stupid idea to not because it's not like they can't afford it. It's just it's a matter of, you know, maybe it's because the last Star Trek didn't do so well, but it's just, you know, it's a matter of finances. But uh, it's just it makes me wonder because if they are so confident in the movie that they're okay not having their star in it and the uh you know and chris hemsworth as well where is the movie going to go because it seems like without him they need to rewrite it unless they just recast him in which case i don't think that that's going to be such a great idea no i don't think so either and in the case of getting those two actors back into the fold and get them what they need because i'll just leave like this as picard would say to Paramount Pictures and 
any one of those involved with the Star Trek four that have the ability to get both Chris's Hemsworth and Pine back into the fold when it comes to Star Trek four, you need to make it so. So my friend, it's been a great week, a lot to talk about indeed. We want to thank again Chris Daly, Jason Todd Feinberg, and Tyler Baker for being on the show. Any last thoughts, my friend? It's going to be another great week right here in pop culture. I think I'm good, man. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll probably have some more exciting stuff to talk about on the Friday show. Oh well, I'm intrigued because he doesn't tell me any of this ahead of time, so I find it out all on my own as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. universe the earth station mcu podcast is your home for all things related to the marvel cinematic universe join our debrief as we discuss agents of shield agent carter upcoming and past favorite marvel movies cosplay comics history toys games interviews and all things mcu whether you're a hero or a villain a new viewer or have been reading comics since you were a kid there's something for you on earth station mcu You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.